As a small business owner, your to-do list is long. The Knot makes advertising easy and connects you with the right couples at the right time. Visit vendors.thenot.com slash podcast for 15% off your first month with code PODCAST15. I'm Chief Conti of the Metropolitan Police Department. Distracted driving is putting lives at risk. Help us make Vision Zero a reality by keeping your eyes on the street. MPD is enforcing D.C.'s hands-free distracted driving laws. One text or call can wreck it all. Hello, Cleveland, and welcome back to another edition of the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Jackson McCurry. On tonight's episode, we are going to talk about what is now the overcrowded defensive tackle room. And we're also going to talk about an article that was dropped on the dogland.com by my co-host tonight, Mr. Jack Duffin. Jack, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's good to be back. Um, it's an exciting time of the year. It's just uh, it's that time when everyone wants to chat about roster building. I, I love chatting about it 365 days of the year. You and Anthony tell me off during the season, but I'm allowed to chat about it now and I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, we'll give you all the time in the world to talk about roster building and all that all that nonsense. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking about it tonight because obviously the article, but Jack, Saturday morning, the Browns had three defensive tackles on the roster. And now after the draft and after a couple free agent signings, they now have seven defensive tackles. No, I take that back. They have eight defensive tackles because I forget about Sheldon Day. But we do have eight now, and it seems a little bit overcrowded, wouldn't you say? It's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, it's one that there, there is something going on. Um, and it's not as simple as, hey, it's competition. Um, and that's what lots of people have just said, hey, it's, it's competition. That, that's why they, they need to, they're doing it. And the reason why that doesn't make sense is because we can take Marvin Wilson as an example. He, he had offers from lots of teams everyone's well aware of that the Browns paid lots of guarantees he would have got decent guarantees from anyone so we're talking maybe it's an extra ten thousand dollars which in the grand scheme of it if it's that you're not taking the extra ten thousand dollars if you don't think it's a team where you've got a realistically good shot of making the roster so he's looking through the teams that send him offers and going which one's got me the best chance of getting to a 53 man and that's his decision so either the Browns are giving out a message that we're keeping five defensive tackles or it's they're giving out a message to these agents and players that then on what they've got. It's one of those two. And you can say, oh, Andrew Berry's just going to play devil's advocate with him. If Andrew Berry's caught lying to these agents, that's less UDFAs, less free agents the Browns are going to get in the future because agents talk to each other. And if they find out you're lying and everything we've heard after two seasons is Andrew Berry's got a phenomenal relationship with agents so i'm gonna guess he's not lying to them there is open season it's open competition and we're probably keeping five yeah without a doubt i mean you look at the current group of players that we got we got malik jackson and andrew billings who i would say going into training camp right now will be the projected starters then you have jordan elliott who's coming on year two and i'm actually in agreement with something you've said privately and on twitter he's on the bubble and we'll get to that when we talk about your uh, article over at the Dogland. But I would say he's on the bubble. I mean, he's a third-round pick. There is a little guaranteed money to his name, but there's no way. And even though he is a draft pick of the current regime, I don't think he's safe. I think you would agree as well. Um, they drafted Tommy Togiai in the fourth round on Saturday out of Ohio State. They signed Marvin Wilson as an undrafted free agent. But theoretically, he, was, he signed as a sixth-round pick 
based on guaranteed money, signing bonus, all that. Then they signed Sheldon Day during in free agency this year. He was on the practice squad at the end of the uh, last season. And then they signed Damian Square today, who's been with San Diego throughout his NFL career, relatively healthy defensive lineman, played 500 snaps two seasons ago, about 450 plus three seasons ago. Last year, he went down in snaps, but he's durable. So that's another body. And then on Monday, they signed an interesting name, former second round pick Malik McDowell, who has never played an NFL game, but there is low risk, high reward. He has had some off the field issues. And this is the first like questionable character signing that Andrew Barry has had in his regime as general manager. But when you look at what Malik McDowell was coming out in 2017, this is a top rated defensive tackles by many of the draft experts. Um, and you look at his, uh, all the physical traits, he checks all the boxes in terms of what the Browns look for in terms of athleticism. But with McDowell, I mean, it is low risk, high reward. We don't even know the terms of the deal, but I would sure it's very low guaranteed money, but could be if the talent is still there and he's only 24 years old, this could be a gem of a signing if his head's on straight. Yeah, because effectively he's a zero-year rookie coming out. Uh, and I know he's, he's obviously signed for the league for a while, but he's not got those accrued seasons for being on the roster for so many games. So they can get him dirt cheap, literally vet minimum for three years. And then he's a restricted free agent in 2024. Um, so incredibly cheaper. This is another one to note. You are not going through the media circus that is signing someone with the the character past of a Malik McDowell without thinking we have a realistic shot of him making the 53 not realistic that he's a favorite but they've got to look at him and go we think he can make the 53 because if they're sat there and going there's a five percent chance of him making the 53 you're just not doing it you just don't need that sort of risk because there is a risk they can have a chat with him be really confident that he's passed all that stuff there is always there is more of a risk of him doing something than potentially Miles Garrett blowing up or um, another a Jarvis Landry blowing up and getting arrested or something crazy off field just drama and that that's something you have to take in into account when you're you're making these moves because you, you don't want to bring a problem into the dressing room obviously if you're going that's the difference for us winning a Super Bowl or something we don't mind having that little problem then it's one thing like an Antonio Brown. But you've got to have a really high level. Almost these guys have to be better than some of the other guys that are just good. You have to think this guy can be great. But I think it's going to impact what Woods does. Because if you're talking about potentially five DTs, and we've heard, oh, Miles Garrett's going to play some inside, Clowney's going to play some inside. I was always of the mindset of, hey, you are, you generally you will have five edges, four interior, because the edges will play more. You're asking them to run around a bit more. Um, so you'd expect it to be that way. But I, I think we're going to see much more of a hybrid front. So you've got New England have obviously done it for a long time. That They don't, lots of teams, hey, if you get into the chat, oh, it doesn't really matter, but they'll play a three-man or, or four-man front or a five-man front if you're going to play a three-four defense. But that, that is different slight roles what dudes do along the front. And and most teams generally, hey, they always have four dudes up front or they'll always have three or five up front. I think we might see a really hybrid here of they're doing lots of different stuff. And that's great because if you're going to confuse a quarterback, let's give him um, 
there's a 33% chance they're going to end up with a three four or five man front and then you can change everything behind it so it wouldn't surprise me is hey you see some three three five you see some three two six um you can then have like tacky tacky rushing you can have weaver as one of those sort of linebacker edges coming in you, you can do some crazy stuff. You can have Billings as your front guy. You can have Miles Garrett and Clowney either side of him. And then you can have Tacky Tacky and Curtis Weaver rushing off the edges. So you can be talking about four edges and Billings all there as a five-man front. And then you've got maybe JOK in a middle linebacker there with those dudes either side of him. And then your your five DBs behind with Troy Hill um greedy uh, not really denzel ward newsome grant delpit and um john johnson it, th- that's the sort of stuff you can do and i think this is just gives so much more of a playbook to um joe woods and you've seen some of it come through in college the 335 is it, it it's weird you, i've read more different schemes throwing different stuff out there so Maybe they're just going, look, we want to go four, five, six DBs. Let's go three, four, five on the front. Let, 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 let's go crazy. I, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall right now in Berea watching Joe Woods and the position group coaches like on the whiteboard, like coming up with different plays or different schemes. Like we could put this guy and this guy out here, or we could do a sub package and put this guy in there. Like the possibilities are endless because the talent and the depth on the defense is something I've never seen in Cleveland in quite some time. And I mean, I'm sure Joe Woods has done things like this in Denver and in San Francisco, but the amount of talent on this Browns defense, the possibilities are endless. We could, they could do up front in the middle and even in the back end in the secondary, it's, it's really hard to fathom, but uh, it's intriguing to talk about and discuss. It's something we're obviously going to go and chat on along the lines of this article, but we're chatting about real dudes. We're not chatting about three different UDFAs and we're like, which one of these are going to make the roster? We're sitting there going, Kadaryl Hodge or Jojo Natson, just to mention one of them, aren't going to make the roster. No chance unless there's an injury. And we're talking 0% chance. What that one of those, Neither of those two dudes are making the roster over a, a Higgins or someone like that. That is insane. Usually we'd be sat here talking about two players as good as Kadaryl Hodge and Jojo Natson and going, which one's going to be our third starting wide receiver? That was only three, four years ago. Even pre-Sashi Brown era and the teardown, those dudes were in starting competition at that level. And now we're like, well, these guys, they're not both going to make the roster. It is a ridiculously talented and deep roster. And special teams just isn't going to be enough. We're going to be asking for special teams plus. Whether you're talking about your sixth linebacker, we want you to do special teams 100%. But if if you're not giving us something realistically into this or we don't see you as a potential starter or role player of the future, your Elijah Lees and players like that, I, I don't think they're going to want you around because they're going to want to use these sort of bottom seven spots on the roster to be developing your Curtis Weavers, your, your guys that are they're hoping they're going to replace and step up for people next year. So uh, oh, it's, it's, it's going to be insane, this roster, because there is just going to be so much talent. And some of these guys, the JOKs, they're going to be playing specials. And Greg Newsom could be playing specials. We, we are going to talk about there's going to be legit players out there all the time. And um, that's going to be fun because that level of athleticism that Prefer's going to have to play with 
is, is going to be new to him. You, you don't often get that much talent on special teams. Usually it's your, it's your grunts of the roster. They're, they're still athletic guys, but they, these are like hardcore football dudes. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, this thing about like two off seasons ago, we were talking about Darius Taylor and Eric Cush and who I don't even remember who the other guys were that we brought. Oh, uh, Demetrius Harris. And now it's like, these guys wouldn't even sniff the 53-man roster with today's Browns. There ain't no, no way. But we've been talking about D-tackle. And Andrew Berry and Stefanski both made the me- local media rounds today. They did the, – the topic of Sheldon Richardson was brought up, and they said that he's still on the radar and they'd love to bring him back. But, Jack, I'm looking at this depth chart right now. Now, if Sheldon Richardson were to come back on a very cheap one-year deal, he would be the best defensive tackle on the roster. But – I feel like right now Sheldon's probably looking, his agent's probably looking and saying, there's eight defensive tackles on the roster, Sheldon. There's, there could be a chance, A, you might not make it. B, you might, you, your, your snap count's going to go significantly low. You can go somewhere else, make just as much money, and get more playing time. So I feel like the door is closing. It might not be fully closed, but it is definitely closing on Sheldon Richardson returning to the Browns. If he came back, it would be on a fully guaranteed deal. Um, the only way I could see it happening is Malik Jackson gets out injured, out injured for the year. Maybe Billings potentially, um, but that doesn't really suit what they want. Um, I, I just can't see it. The, the minute he left, I just said it, it's done. I, I think it was just a publicity stunt. Um, it sounded good um, to say, hey, the door's always open. We're, we like this with our guys. Um, and 100%, I get why you say that. But I, I don't think it was ever legitimately on the table. Um, because he, he's going to get low money and that that's just part of the game. Um, but no, I wish him all the best. It, it, it's not, it, unless there's injuries. It, it's never been happening in Cleveland, despite what they might say to the media. Yeah, I mean, Ian Wright brought that up on Twitter. Uh, your co-host on the Paul Brown podcast, he said, unless Billings or Jackson were to get hurt, there's and Richardson somehow is still unsigned by the time camp opens up there's no way he's coming back. I mean, it's Richardson's a good dude. He should be on an NFL roster. And I think he will be, um, I'm sure his agents trying to get as much money as possible at this point, but I don't think it's going to be in Cleveland barring injury. Um, yeah, or an opt out. I'm, I'm ringing up the Kansas city chiefs. Yeah. that That's what I would do. Cause I'll go sod it. Let's go get a ring. Um, I don't know if he's got one. I don't know if he was in, um, no, he went in Seattle at the right time. Um, I, 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 if I'm him, if you can't get the money, go get a ring. Um, because if you're leaving a Seattle and you're going and then have another shot, if he's going to get some money, I however crazy it sounds, they've got a lot there on their D line, but they, they love throwing money at it. Washington, it wouldn't be a, a, a crazy one, but no, if, if I'm him, if, if I'm not getting the money, go play for Kansas City, um, go play for Tampa Bay, maybe. Um, however crazy that might seem. Um, one of them two. Why not? If you're going to get three million, go get a ring. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so, Jake, on Monday, was it Monday? No, Sunday, you put down an article on the dogland.com, and it was essentially a very early look at what a, a 53 man roster looked like. You, and it, the, the name of the article is Brown, the Browns 37 roster locks and the 16 camp battles to look forward to. Now, you wrote before the draft that there was. 15 roster spots available and i think 
prior to the draft, nobody thought that we were going to make eight or nine draft picks. Well, the Browns ultimately made eight and they signed, I think, six undrafted free agents. And now they've signed two free agents. So the roster is set at 90. There, there might be moves between now and camp to where, you know, they bring guys in, take guys out. But the 90-man the roster is essentially full. And I've got on the 91 at the minute. Because obviously these UDFAs haven't officially signed yet. So I, I expect some releases, maybe by the time this hits and you're listening to it tomorrow. Um, so no, they officially signed yesterday. They were announced as signings on Monday. Uh, are they? Uh, I haven't seen them on the transaction wire. Okay. But I know, I know the Browns announced them. Maybe it was just agreements. Oh, okay. But they were at 89 prior to the Damien Square signing today. So as far as I know, they're at 90. So, But I could be wrong. Keep an eye out. Their, their website had a um, eighty-four before they announced all the dudes. So um, interesting. Know, it's, it's very, very close to it. So uh, some releases are coming anyway because there's some dudes on here that we'll mention. If even if we do mention the guys in the practice squad battle, they are making a roster and they they need a fourth QB. Definitely number one spot. They, they, they are they bringing one in for rookie minicamp though. I've seen that yeah. report floated out. Josh Love, who, who played at San Jose State, I believe, but. Um, but yeah, so you had 37 roster locks, 16 camp battles, and you pretty much broke it down the locks who will be battling for a 53 roster spot. And then you have the practice squad guys who will be battling for a potential practice squad. So we're going to go position by position here. Um, quarterbacks, we'll start right there. Uh, you have Mayfield and Keenum as roster locks. And it's very interesting because prior to our recording, Jared Mueller posted an article over at the OBR talking about how Keenum could be traded, which would be interesting. I don't think it would happen because there is no legitimate backup quarterbacks on the market. And Keenum knows this system. It seems like he was perfect last year as the backup and as a sort of a mentor to Mayfield, but I would definitely think both of these guys are coming back. Yeah. I hope you guys can't hear the dog snoring. If you can, I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, Keenum's hundred percent staying this year for me. Um, I, it, hey, I'd pick up the phone. I'd ring Jacksonville and go, hey, we'll give you Minshew for uh, Keenum. It, they're not going to say no, uh, yes, but hey, uh, I'll call anyway just in case. Um, but no, he'll be gone next year and they're going to go cheaper at the position. As soon as it was signed, it was always a two-year deal. Um, if they were going to get rid of him, it would happen pre-draft. And, and that's why his agent just did a good job putting the guarantees kicking in at the right time. And it's why that sort of wording is massive because if the guarantees wouldn't have hit pre-draft, there's a good chance that he's not on the roster this year. The fact that that hits, it was like the fifth day of the league year, he, he, he was a lock for the roster as soon as that hit. And then you have Kyle Laletta as a practice squad battle guy. But like you said, they need to bring in a fourth quarterback for camp because we don't need Baker trying to throw his arm out, even Keenum, just in case an injury were to happen and Keenum's the starting quarterback. Uh, we did mention they bring, they're bring they bringing in Josh Love for rookie minicamp, so maybe he'll be the camp arm. We'll see how that goes. Um, running back, you have Chubb, you have Hunt, you have Janovich as the locks, and then Demetric Felton and Dearness Johnson as the battle. Yeah, I, th I think this one's pretty straightforward. Um, lots of people have sort of been tweeting at me in the last three, four months, just going, Janovic, surely why haven't we got rid of him? Special teams. Um, he's a great special team contributor. Um, Stefanski wants to use fullback sort of two, three snaps a game. And that's it. And that's perfectly fine. If as long as you're competing on special teams, hey, he, he's, he 
done more last season than Janice Johnson. Um, so there is certainly a roster spot because if you want you're carrying a fourth running back. And so Janovic does far more in those two, three snaps than a running back four is going to do on any roster. So yeah, perfectly happy with that. Um, I think Felton is by far the favorite there. Um, but hey, it's a battle. He's a sixth rounder. Nothing's going to be given to that dude for granted. If the other running back would have had more positive athletic traits, I might have put him into the competition. But um, for that reason, I've just got Harbiston as a uh, competing for the practice squad. And Harbison was one of our um, undrafted free agent signings from over the weekend. Um, wide receiver. It's pretty much uh, completely logged in. We have Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Anthony Schwartz, the third-round pick from this past weekend. And then in your battle spots, and this is obvious, Kaderil Hodge, JoJo Natson. Um, you might want to throw, you know, Jamarcus Bradley in. He had a productive game against the Jets. They brought, they're bringing him back, obviously. Even throw in Ryan Switzer. Uh, you mentioned Alexander Hollins, who comes from Minnesota. And Derek Willies, who's been floating around the Browns organization the last couple of years, but you mentioned those last four as potential practice squad guys. Yeah, I, I can't see any of those four competing for the fifty-three. I I think it'll be Hodge um, because Swartz can sort of do some of the stuff they'd want to do with Natson. If you're running a, a sweep, who do you want? Do you want the Olympic level sprinter in Schwartz picking up that ball, or do you want Jarvis Landry? That's, that's no slight on Landry. If Landry, who's been uh, working out with Schwartz, wants to run a 40 time next to each other, I know who everyone's betting on winning. And, and that's no sort of shade. Travis Kelsey or uh, Tyreek Hill, who do you want to hand the ball off to to run a lateral? <laughs> You're nuts if you're choosing someone other than Tyreek Hill with those, that blazing pace. So um, I think the reason that this common sense one would be to take Hodge. I, I, I'm higher on Hodge than most of Brown's Twitter. I think he's certainly got the potential to be a wide receiver three in this team. Um, and I, I, I think his ceiling's higher than Hollywood Higgins, which, which will upset some people. But Higgins is great at what Higgins does, but Hodge can be that deep threat. I think he can do a lot more for the team. Um, so no, I, and phenomenal special teams producer. So I, I I feel really good that Hodge will make the roster. He's going to have to take a pay cut because they're not going to give him his full RFA tender to play. But I, I'd expect him to happily sign that, probably go down to like 1 million guaranteed and then um, well, maybe 1.25 guaranteed and then 250,000 in per game roster bonuses. Yeah, I would give Hodge the edge as well. Natson um, pretty much got replaced by Schwartz. Uh, because of everything that Schwartz can bring to the table, Natson does too. Plus, Schwartz is bigger. He's more athletic. I think he's got more an upside down the road than Natson does as a wide receiver. So uh, I would definitely give the Hodge for the Hodge the upper hand in the battle for the sixth wide receiver spot. Tight end, you have Hooper, Najoku, and Bryant as your locks. Carlson as the, the guy battling for the fourth spot. And then Jordan Franks and Car Kyle Mark. Mark away as the practice squad battle guys. Yeah, I, I just, it's weird to have only one guy in the competition and say he's not a lock. Um, but I, I just feel that there's potentially someone else they'll bring in. Frank's is sort of higher than Mark, where I think in terms of a potential competition, but 
it wouldn't surprise me if they do something else there. I, I love Carlson from a special teams angle, um, but it would make sense to have someone in that four spot that you hope could step up to a three spot when Bryant jumps to three and then Njoku and Hooper, one of them two wins out for number one next year because everyone's going to jump up one. So it'd be nice to get someone in there because I don't think Carlson's ever going to be more than your tight end four special teamer, which he's great at, taking nothing away. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they looked to do that. But to be fair, if you tight end three, they could draft someone in the third, fourth round next year and happily let them rip on as a tight end three. So I, I don't think there's anything stopping them. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits. Perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. I would give Mark away a little bit more or Mark way. Is it Mark away? Mark. It's Mark way. I would give him a little more attention because he's working out with Baker and the boys down in Florida. So maybe there's something there. Maybe Baker sees something in Mark way. We'll see how he does. Once camp rolls around, will he get a reps with Baker? No, but that could be an interesting name to watch just because he is working with the rest of the offensive unit down in Florida right now. So uh, let's go to the offensive line, start out with the tackle spot. You have Conklin, Wills, and James Hudson, uh, one of the team's fourth-round picks as locks, and then Chris Hubbard, Alex Taylor, and Greg Sinat as the guys on the bubble. Yeah, so the the first three guys, uh, they're locked in. Hudson will make the roster, no, no doubt about it. He, he might end up as tackle four, so it's not saying he is the third man on that tackle depth chart. He is just 100% going to make it for me. Um Hubbard, they've got 3.75 million options. So he's got 1.2, 1.3 million of signing bonus money that's already paid to him last year. Um, but they've got 3.75 million that they have to make a decision on him this year. So for me, that no one in a backup spot, you can say, hey, they've got a 3.75 million option. They're definitely going to pick it up. It just, it's just not realistic based on an intelligent front office. So they don't if pay for depth. Really, yeah. And if Hudson steps up, then if you're really excited about the prospect of Alex Taylor, you're not going to get rid of Alex Taylor for the sake of keeping Hubbard for a year. So I I think there's, there's serious questions here. I, I, th- I think there's so many moving parts over this backup, and we're going to touch on it when we chat about guard as well. Um, but if, if I had to guess, my actual... One, I, I think Alex Taylor is the one out of those three that makes the roster for the tackle spot. Wouldn't be surprising. They, I think they gave him a lot of money last year as an undrafted free agent. Uh, they, they kept, kept him, him around. The nearly all year, which yeah. is nuts because they didn't want to play him. So they must be super excited about him because they picked up the, a guy called Blake to play and they left him there on the roster still. So they do love Taylor. Um, and, and I think that's someone that they, they must have ideas with because you don't go through all that crap and then you cut him the next year. Um, I, I just feel really good that he's got a really good shot here. Yeah, I mean, they protected him. And then Greg Sinat got signed by Dallas, I think was, I don't know if he played, but he was on their roster. And then he's re-signed with the Browns back in the offseason. So they obviously like both. 
So I, I feel like Taylor does have the edge. I would agree with you. Uh, looking at the guards, Batonio and Teller, the obvious locks. And then you have Hubbard, Dunn, Blake Hance, and Drew Forbes as the battle guys. And this is going to be interesting because everybody's probably going to say, oh, Dunn and Blake, they're going to make the team. They're for sure. They helped us down the stretch in the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. They didn't grade out that well, according to PFF. Dunn has more upside for sure, but everybody loves the guy named Blake. And then Drew Forbes is the wild card because he got hurt his rookie year, never saw the field. Last year he opted out because of COVID. Now he's coming back, brand new regime, brand new offensive line scheme. We don't really know what Forbes is going to bring to the table he could be the surprise guy at a camp or he could just be cut, go to the practice squad or move on to another team. Yeah. There's three dudes. I think between them, if they even played like 60, 70 snaps, it's not much. Um, it, it was like a combination of all three have played like 70 snaps in the NFL. Yeah. It's, it's just nuts that the way some people talk about these, you'd think they're like six year veterans. Um, and no, Blake Hans weren't that great. Um, Michael Dunn was actually really good. I, I do like Dunn. Um, he would be my favorite out of those three. And Drew Forbes, I, I've got no idea. No one has a clue on Drew Forbes. Um, they're three dudes that uh, I think one of them will end up on the practice squad. Um, one might end up on the team. But if, if my guess is here, it's actually Hubbard. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be enamored with Hans, with Forbes, with... Um, those guys, as much as they're in love with Alex Taylor. So I think they actually go, right, we're going to take Chris Hubbard here, make him guard three and tackle three. Have Hudson as tackle four and guard four because they've talked about cross-training. And then we're going to keep Alex Taylor as tackle five because then next year what they can do is move Hudson up to be your sixth O-lineman. So be your guard three, tackle three, bring in somebody else that will probably be on the interior. Um, if they fancy Hudson as more of an exterior slash interior guy and then keep Taylor as your tackle four. So um, I think that's one to keep an eye on. Um, if you, ha- if I was guessing today, that's the way I would have it breaking down. So your depth um, guard and tackle is going to be Hubbard, Hudson and Taylor, um, which lots of people aren't talking about. They're assuming that it's the th- three guys on the outside battling and, and three guys on the inside, whereas Hubbard can do both. and. Uh, yeah, that's the way I'd cut it. And he did both quite well last year in uh, Bill Callahan's and Kevin Stefanski's scheme. So uh, hopefully Hubbard comes back from the injury strong and keeps up the production because he, he was very valuable last year to the Browns offensive line. Uh, centers, you have both locked in. J.C. Treader and Nick Harris. Harris seemed to be a, un, or a forgotten man during draft weekend because everybody was talking about interior offensive line and talking about someone that could potentially replace J.C. Treader as center. And everybody seemed to forget Nick Harris is seemingly going to be groomed to replace J.C. Treader. Last year, he got uh, forced to play guard because of COVID and injuries, and he struggled at guard. But everybody seemed to forget they're grooming him to be the long-term center, potentially. And I still think the plan is for him to go in that role. And this year, obviously, he's going to be locked in as the backup center to J.C. Treader. Yeah, one to keep an eye on here that I – didn't actually find out until today when uh, Sobo um, Ben Sobleski mentioned it to me on Twitter. Was Dunn has actually played a little bit as center. I don't know if this was in college or in the NFL, but that is certainly one to keep an eye on because I was under the impression that these are the only two dudes of any note that I was aware of 
could play center on the Browns roster and made it easy locks. But if Dunn can play center, that's certainly someone that, hey, why not? If, if he can play guard and center, happy days. Um, you could then go Dunn, Hubbard, um, Hudson and Taylor and give yourself even more options. So no, um, yeah, it's, it, that's one to keep an eye on that. I, I, I feel good for Harris. Um, lots of Browns fans heart back to what happened when he played guard. He's not a guard. 100%. This dude is not a guard. Um, they know that now. We should. They should have known that before the game. But um, yeah, it, it's it's one that I, I think he's got a good shot of replacing um, Tretter in a year's time. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's flip over to the defensive side. Let's, let's start with the edge. You have Garrett, Clowney, and Tack McKinley as the locks. And then Porter, Gustin, and Curtis Weaver both on the bubble. Um, this isn't a surprise, obviously. Miles Miles Garrett speaks for himself. Clowney, big free agent signing. Tech McKinley, another solid free agent addition, hopefully. And then Gustin and Weaver are going to be duking it out for that fourth spot. They may end up keeping both. They both they both might make the team. They potentially go could go with five edge rushers. But I mean, Gustin and Weaver is going to be the battle to watch. Gustin's been in the system the last couple of years. Weaver's coming off the knee injury. There's a lot of upside to his game. Uh, it should be a fun battle in camp. Yeah, no, and it's 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 one where I I, I think we spoke about at the start of the show. There, I think they're keeping four. I think we've got Gustin versus um, Weaver. And even though Gustin's only been in the league two years, this, this is his last cheap year because next year he becomes a restricted free agent. They've got him, give him a deal about two point four million to keep him around. So um, I think this is a time where Weaver can really step up. And I I I think Weaver. Um, wins this and I think it's only four so almost I, I, there were they'd started the rush on defensive tackle when I wrote this piece but it was obviously pre-McDowell um, it was pre-everything else at defensive tackle I think they're keeping one edge here and uh, it explains a lot of the draft strategy they might have gone into the draft knowing they're going to pile on the defensive tackles we're only keeping four edges we don't need to add anyone if, if you're hyped about Weaver and you're only keeping four edges well, you're happy with Gustin's your backup if someone goes down or Weaver doesn't quite make it in camp. For me, the stars are aligned in here that says, hey, we're going for edge. So this was prior to the signings, but you had Malik Jackson, Andrew Billings, and Tommy Togiai as locks, and then Jordan Elliott and Marvin Wilson as bubble guys. You're obviously throwing McDowell in there as a, bat, a bubble guy. Uh, Damian Square, I would assume, goes in as a bubble guy. Nah. So. So you're confident with Jackson Billings and Togiai as the locks and then everybody else will be fighting for the fourth and or potentially fifth battle spot, bubble spots. Yeah. So to update this, I'm going to jump Togiai now to the battling for the 53. Okay. Um, so Togiai, Elliot, um, Togiai is actually my favorite above Elliot, but Togiai, Elliot, Marvin Wilson and Malik McDowell is my four battling for two spots. And then I've got Square and um, Sheldon Day in there. They're just battling for a practice squad. I I, I don't legitimately see them in there. Um, maybe Can Damian Square five. even make the practice squad, being like a nine-year vet or however long he's been in the league? Yeah, because I, there were some advanced rules this year that you could keep two really old dudes on the practice squad. Gotcha. Um, so, no, I, I, I think it's certainly... Um, I, I think he's more of a camp body. Just hey, let's let's see what he does, but uh, maybe like a third choice one tech or something for camp. 
Um, but no, I, I, I think we're looking at five here. And, and I think that's a really interesting battle that hey, usually would say a pick as high as Togiai with a lot of hype around him. You feel good taking him, but as soon as the the Malik, um, the Marvin Wilson pick came, uh, edition came in, I was like, mm. they're obviously not happy with Jordan Elliott because uh, that's there. But then with Malik McDowell coming in, suddenly you're like, mm, Tokyo is now on 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 the chopper. So um, no, I, I I would if I'm betting, I'm still betting on Jordan Elliott and um, Togiai to make that roster. Um, but crazier things have happened. Absolutely. Um, let's go to linebacker. You have JOK, Anthony Walker, and Jacob Phillips as the locks, and then Sione Takitaki, Malcolm Smith, Tony Fields, and Mac Wilson on the bubble. I'm kind of surprised you have Takitaki on the bubble because I thought he had a good 2020 season. Um, I kind of would put him as a lock in my opinion, but in this case, this is, this is on your, this is your opinion. You have Tagi Tagi as a bubble guy along with Smith. Uh, obviously fields is a fifth round pick. He's not a guaranteed to make the roster and, you know, Mac Wilson, which according to some rumors, it's not a matter of if, but when Mac Wilson might not even be on the camp or on the roster come uh, camp time. Uh, for me, I, I think he makes it all the way to camp. I, I think he's a, a last minute cut down dude just because yeah, there's one, two dudes can get injured and suddenly he's, he's further up. The reason why I've got Taki Taki on there is because up until day two of the draft, or up until day three of the draft, when that side, I was under the belief that, hey, they're, they're going to keep five linebackers on this roster. And the minute when they went, hmm, I, I'm, I'm now sitting here with like, I, th- I feel good for six to make the roster. And that was the moment when I went, well, Taki Taki, I've got to put Taki Taki in that mix that I can't say, hey, he's a lock. Um, so I, I feel really good that Taki Taki, I'm, I'm talking like 85% plus certainty that I think he'll make the roster, but I'm, I'm really hard line with this. I've got to feel amazingly good to say someone's a lock. So I, I think he's locked in as your Sam. It's like, hey, do, do they value that enough that they go, yeah, we want to keep him. But I feel good there. I've, I've got Tony Fields just above Malcolm Smith. The reason for that is if, if they... They were obviously hyped about JOK. And there's a really good piece by um, Benjamin Solak from the Draft Network. Um, he just did a breakdown on um, Tony Fields. And he actually t- tweeted out when JOK got picked and said, hey, if you like what JOK is doing, but you don't want to take this player on day two, day three, there's this dude called Tony Fields. Um, and th- it makes sense that you want, if you want one, you want the other. Because the last thing you want to do is have... 10% of your defensive playbook built around the crazy stuff that JOK is going to do and gives you that option instead of a Malcolm Smith. And then JOK goes down, you have to throw 10% of your playbook out the window because he's gone on IR. And that's why I, I feel really good that he's not, he's not the same level of athleticism in field, but you need someone similar there because you can't throw the playbook out. We can't do what we did last year and, hey, Delpit went down, right? Forget it. We, we won't open up this 25% of the defensive playbook. It's, it was just, it was brutal. And for that reason, I think he makes it. Um, and, and I think Malcolm Smith will as well. It wouldn't surprise me if Malcolm Smith doesn't make the entire season and he goes partway through if they feel like JOK is going to develop and feel really good. JOK's development, I think, is really tied to the future of Malcolm Smith 
but uh, yeah, you might trade him mid-season or just cut him if you uh, want to invest the depth in another position, maybe corner or something. Yeah, I mean, Malcolm Smith, good veteran in the room. They didn't sign him to a lot of money. I think it was only, what, a million or if that. Yeah, but... and then half a million guaranteed, but the majority of that they can trade, and I think you'd easily get that in a trade. So, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't make the roster, but I think as things stand now, he would probably be in over a Fields and a Mac Wilson, but we'll see how it shakes out in camp. Uh, go into the cornerback room. Denzel Ward, Greg Newsome, Troy Hill, Greedy Williams, your four locks. You have MJ Stewart and AJ Green on the bubble, and then Robert Jackson and a couple other uh, guys on the practice squad battle. So this corner room is looking a little better. I still think, and I think you agreed, they're going to add somebody else here over the summer. Um, but the top four looks a lot better than the top four going into last year, to say the least. It's good, yeah. I, I fully agree. It's not good enough. Um, and I, 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 unless they're super hyped about AJ Green and we're just missing it, um, I, I, I think they need something else. Um, and it, it depends what they want to do with MJ Stewart. He's no, he's really good at specials. Um, and if he gives you the option of, hey, he's our backup slot corner, because what we don't want to do, you, you obviously don't want him out there playing all the snap, any real mate. You don't want him playing any snaps really in terms of defense. But if Troy Hill goes down, he's a great guy to slide in and go, right, go out there and do that. Um, and it gives you that option. So it's certainly one I could see them doing. So um, no, I, I think, I think he's certainly got a shot there, but yeah, I, I would prefer to see a Gary and Conley in there. Yeah. I, I would, I would think there could be something there with Gary and Conley. We heard some rumors during the early uh, days of free agency, but nothing materialized. Casey Hayward just went off the board of the Raiders. Steven Nelson's a name that a lot of Browns fans want, but I feel like he's wanting too much that the Browns aren't willing to give him right now. We'll see if the market comes down, but Conley would seem to make the most sense. Uh, looking at the safety room, John Johnson, Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, locks. That's a guarantee for sure. The battle will be interesting for the fourth spot. Richard LeCount, the team's was it fifth or sixth round. I forget what round he drew, they were drafted in. And then Sheldrick Redwine. Yeah, I, I don't think Sheldrick Redwine's going to make the roster. And if, if Browns fans need any example, they, they were playing Sandejo over him. And if, unless you think Sandejo's great or above average, then Sheldrick Redwine's even worse than that. Um, and, and that's just the, the fact of the matter. Um, I think LeCount... Le could have a shot to make it probably got a good shot to make the roster because reading people like Dane Boogler and everything, they seem PFF, they seem to say, Hey, he's, he's okay at everything. He's not great at anything. And I don't think he's ever going to be great at anything, but that's, that's fine. If that's your depth guy that you go, look, we can just throw him in there and he'll, he'll do a bit. If someone goes down, the versatility could be use useful. It's just bang average versatility, probably slightly below that but it's, it's still versatility. So I think that's there. It wouldn't surprise me if they actually see JOK as your strong safety two and Justin Fields as your strong safety three. Um, Justin, I keep calling him Justin. Tony Fields. Yeah. Oh, I, hey, I, if I, Justin Fields was our backup strong safety, I, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. He's he, tough. Why not? He's athletic. He, he, <laughs> he didn't drop quite far enough to the fourth round for us to pick him. Right. Um. <laughs> 
But no, it's it's one that I, I, I think the option could be there. And, that, and that's why I could see them cutting all the way down to four. Um, but I, I would love to see an extra strong safety edition. No, not strong safety, free safety edition. And that would be my boy, Trey Boston, the one-year superstar. I will say, Saturday when LeCount got drafted, and I think, I don't remember who pulled up his relative athletic score, but I feel like we were all kind of like, what the hell did they just do? But then once we get the story, hey, he was in a motorcycle accident. He toughened out his pro day, even though the results weren't strong. But this is why the numbers were as bad as they were. So, but I mean, we'll see. I think LeCount, you, like you said, he's good, not great at anything. He also played in a really good secondary in Georgia with uh, was it Tyson Campbell and Eric Stotes, who were top 35 picks in the draft. So maybe he benefited from them a little bit, but we'll see how good he is once we get to uh, – training camp yeah no 100 percent um is one to keep an eye on um yeah just give, give me more give me more dbs absolutely and then wrapping it up special teams you only have charlie hewlett as a lock which is kind of surprising but yet kind of not at the same time and then you say jamie gillen cody parkey matt mccrane all battling um more than likely they might bring in another kicker to compete with uh mccrane and parkey and then Jamie Gillen, I'm surprised you have him on the bubble. Last year was a down year for him, but he had COVID. He was dealing with a groin injury. I mean, it's kind of tough to overcome things. And, he's, and he, he tried, but it would not shock me if they do bring in another punter potentially to compete with him uh, this year. So part of the reason behind this is, yeah, it was a below average year from last year. I'm not too concerned. He's dirt cheap, but he's got one year left of being cheap. So... In a year's time, he's going to be a restricted free agent, which means, hey, we're going to have to pay him $2.4 million if we want to keep him around. And that's the point where you go, man, does his front office want to pay a punter $2.4 million? And so if he would have been above average to elite again this year, then you're like, Meh, yeah, well, he's definitely staying at least that third year, and then they can decide whether they want to pay the position or not. But that, for me, is the reason why I'm like, yeah, he, he, he could be replaced. Um, I th- I... I I think one of my sort of points after sort of putting this out, I think Matt McCrane should be in the battling for a practice squad. I think Cody Parkey has a kicking competition coming. They gave him a deal which has very low guarantees, which opens up basically, hey, you need to fight for this spot. But Matt McCrane, I don't think is the person that's going to do it. I think it's a UDFA or someone else they're going to bring in to... uh, have that shot and have that battle with Cody Parkey. But yeah, my boy, Charlie Hewlett, he's strong. Um, No one knows his name. And that's why I know he's an awesome long snapper. Long snappers are people too. Um, It'd be great if this front office could somehow snaggle a fourth round pick for Jamie Gillen and make it happen again, the way it did with Andy Lee. Obviously Andy Lee's name was more known, but maybe there's some teams out there that just love the Scottish hammer and would give up a high draft pick for him. Why not? If so, if there's a GM ringing around to try flip a punter for a day three pick, you know it's Andrew Perry. Yes. He is going to be phone, hitting the phones going, hey, do you want a punter? Do you want a punter? Go on. You need a punter. You need a punter. So, um, yeah. My guy. Call Detroit and uh, con John Dorsey into giving us a fourth round pick for the for Jamie Gillen. We'll throw in two kneecaps. Yes. And Mac Wilson. It can be his kneecaps. <laughs> so as we wrap things up, if you guys want to see this article 
in complete detail. Go to thedogland.com. The machine, as I call him, Jack Duffin, has been killing it all year with article after article. Um, Jack, take some time. Relax. We got a long summer. We don't need you to to wear yourself out completely, but uh, we appreciate all the work you've done so far over the dogland.com. Uh, cheers, buddy. I've, I've got something in the hopper. Um, it's still in my head. It hasn't hit the page yet, but um, I'm, not, I'm not sure when I'm going to do a, a three-year look ahead. Can't wait for it, man. Always look forward to your work. Um, if you guys have any questions or you just want to, you know, tweet at Jack telling us, telling him he's wrong about this uh, early projected roster, uh, it's at Jack Duffin. That's D-U-F-F-I-N. You can follow me on Twitter at Jack McCurry08, as well as The Dogland at The Dogland. We're also on Facebook as well. And like I said, thedogland.com uh, for great articles, insight, analysis on all the on all things Cleveland Browns. And as we get on out here, until next time, go Browns. Go Browns. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Number 97. Or. House cleaning. Or. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.